0: Well, in 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning in verse 25, we read And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And so it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman. Please now run to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. It is well? How could it possibly be well with this woman? Her only son is dead for crying out loud. Elisha and his servant Gehazi should have been ashamed for even asking such an insensitive question. You see, this mother's problem started the day her little boy went to work with his father. His dad was a farmer, and the two of them were out in the fields when the boy complained about a severe headache. Understand it was harvest time, which meant that dad was extremely busy. He had all the hired hands, all the temporary laborers. He was under the gun, trying to get the harvest in in time. And so when his son screamed out, my head, my head, the father did What any other concerned conscientious dad would do, he sent his boy to his mom. A servant picked him up and carried him back to the house. We're told in chapter 4, verse 20, that when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. What an ordeal for this mom. She sat there all morning and watched her son's condition deteriorate. She was helpless to do anything for him. By high noon, the boy had died on her knees. Honestly, I can't imagine a woman suffering a more terrible fate. At breakfast that day, she had fixed her son a bowl of cereal. Now by lunch, he's dead on her knees. The break in your heart for this mother grows even wider when you learn the whole story. You see, this boy was this woman's only son. She and her husband had tried for years to conceive a child, but to no avail. And after all the fertility treatments and the long sessions of prayer, the miracle had happened when it was least expected. This baby was born shortly after the couple had befriended the prophet Elisha. You see, they noticed that the prophet, he made his rounds. As he made his rounds, he would always walk right by their house. This couple had a spare bedroom, and one day the woman suggested to her husband that they offered the bedroom to the prophet Elisha. Now this room wasn't much, just a bed, table and chair perhaps, even a lamp. but it was a place where Elijah would stop over either for the night or for a nap. It was an act of kindness on their part, and it was certainly a service to God. And Elisha appreciated their gesture, so much so that he wanted to do a kind deed for the lady and her husband in return. And so, in verse 13, the prophet Elisha had told his servant Gehazi, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. In other words, thanks, but no thanks. This family had ample provision, sufficient protection. The last thing they wanted was a government handout or a military lookout. When it came to material stuff, they were content. Gehazi, though, had been observing this couple's lifestyle. And he noticed that there were no toys, no swing set in the yard. No baby blankets over the clothesline. No strollers or diaper bags in the garage. He even saw that they drove one of those sporty two-seaters rather than a minivan. Gehazi concluded in verse 14, she has no son and her husband is old. Aha! Here is a way that Elisha can return the generosity and hospitality of this couple. He can pray and he can ask God to provide them a child. Elijah was obviously confident that God approved of his intentions, but the prophet made a bold prediction. In verse 16, he tells the woman, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. What a promise. Can you imagine the joy and the elation a year later when this baby boy was born? It was a miracle. A barren couple had been blessed with a miracle child. Of course, after the baby's birth, I'm sure Elisha must have thought, what in the world have I done? His nap times were no longer as peaceful with a baby around. I'm sure there were nights when the baby's crying kept him up. But the prophet Elisha was delighted that God had brought such joy to this house. Now everyone who knew their story viewed this little boy as God's miracle gift to to this couple. Yet now that fact only added to this mother's grief and confusion. I can hear this woman cry out, God, he was my miracle. Your gift to me, Lord, to take him so young is cruel. He's a flower yet to bloom. He's a butterfly still in his cocoon. Why lay him in my arms only to snatch him away? Imagine this woman. She's convulsing tears. She slumped over a small, lifeless corpse, the little head bobbing up and down on her quivering knees. What an awful picture. But after this woman gains her composure, she performs an amazing act of resolve and faith. With the little strength she has left, she picks the boy up and she takes him to Elisha's room. She lays his corpse on the prophet's cot, and she closes the door. Next, she calls for a donkey. She's going to see the prophet. As she saddles him up, she tosses the keys to her servant and tells him in verse 24, Drive and go forward. I told you they had a two-seater. This woman was too upset to drive, but she tells her servant, Chauffeur, Do not slacken the pace unless I tell you. In other words, step on it, man. We got to get there. Before they leave, the servant wants to know why they're going to see Elisha. He thinks this is strange. He asks the woman in verse 23, why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. I mean, this was like getting up on a Monday morning and coming to Calvary Chapel. I mean, why come to Calvary Chapel on a Monday? There are no Bible studies on Monday. There are no worship services. He's thinking, if you just want to see Elisha, he'll be around in a few days. And it's weird how she responds. Notice the remainder of verse 23 reads, And she said, it is well. It's as if she's answering another question. It is well is not the rational response to the query, Why are we going to him today? It's as if another issue is on her mind. It's as if she's answering a different question. Which brings us to our text. When this grieving mom reaches Elisha, the prophet sends out his personal assistant, a servant named Gehazi, to greet her. And in verse 26, Gehazi asks her three questions Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And as I read this story, the answer to all three of those questions has to be a no. Of course it's not well. It's certainly not well with this mom. Her heart has been ripped out. She's cried so much her tear ducts are dry. She's become dehydrated. It's not well with her husband either. She now realizes she's married to an insensitive lug. I mean, here she is embroiled in an all-day vigil overseeing her little boy's death while her lame brain calloused husband can't pry himself away from his work. He's still out in the field when she leaves for Elisha. And of course, it's not well with the child. She left her son at home. His cold corpse is lying on a makeshift cot. It's being taken over by rigor mortis. If I had been this mom and Elisha's servant had asked me, is it well? I would have gone ballistic, come unglued, blown a fuse. Is it well? Is it well? I'll show you if it's well. I probably would have punched that guy right in the nose. But read this mother's amazing words in verse 26. The Shunammite woman answers Gehazi, it is is well. This morning, I want to ask all the mothers three questions. Is it well with you, Mom? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? With the time we have left, I want us to work through these three questions before we reach our final answers. First, if you're a mother... Is it well with you? Thankfully, most of us have never had a child die on our knees. Oh boy, Kathy and I, though, came close. Our, da- our daughter suffered from sleep apnea when she was an infant. Kath noticed that at times, Natalie would just stop breathing. We were given a monitor that sounded an alarm at night when it no longer detected a breath. That first night... That alarm screeched 45 times. If you had asked us if all was well, we would have said, no way. But even if you haven't walked a child through the valley of the shadow of death, being a mom has other taxing challenges. You may not have lost a child, but I think all my moms at times feel like they've lost their minds. I know you've lost some patience. Maybe your sanity Definitely your energy, maybe even your figure. All moms have lost something. Here's a cute little poem. It's called A Mom's Prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray my sanity to keep. For if some peace I do not find, I'm pretty sure I'll lose my mind. I pray I find a little quiet, far from the daily family riot. May I relax, not have to think about what they're stuffing down my sink. Or who they're with or where they're at or what they're doing to the cat. I pray for time all to myself. Did something just fall off the shelf? To cuddle in my nice soft bed. Oh no, another goldfish dead. A silent moment for goodness sake. Did I just hear a window break? And that I need not cook or clean. Why not? I've got the right to dream. Yes, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray my wits about me keep. But as I look around, I know. I must have lost them long ago here are a few entries in the dictionary of motherhood grandparents these are the people who think your children are wonderful even though they're sure you're not raising them right <laughs> impregnable this is a woman whose memory of labor is still vivid prenatal when your life was somewhat your own Sterilize. This is what you do to your first baby's pacifier by boiling it in water and to your last baby's pacifier by blowing on it. (laughs) Temper tantrum. What you should keep to a minimum so you don't upset the children. (laughs) And I will probably get in trouble for this one, but why not? Weaker sex. The kind you have after the kids have worn you out. Hey, did you hear about the mother of several preschoolers who were sending out, she sent out thank you notes for the new gift she got at her most recent baby shower. One of the notes read, many thanks for the playpen. I use it daily. From two to three in the afternoon, I get in it to read and the children can't get near me. (laughs) Have you ever noticed that when a gold miner strikes the main vein and hits the rock with the heaviest portion of precious metal? It's called the mother load. I'm just saying a mother's load can get really heavy at times. Is it well with you, Mom? Perhaps you would answer, not really. I'm kind of burned out. I'm really tired. I love my kids, but I've just about concluded I'm not cut out for this mommy gig. I haven't lost a child to death, but I feel like I've lost them in other ways. I've lost my kids to a hurried lifestyle that gives us little time to talk and pray and be together. I've lost them to ungodly friends and to worldly influences. There have been nights when I've tucked my children in bed and closed the door and I've wondered if I was losing them or if they were losing me. If the question was posed to you, is it well? Perhaps you'd have to respond, no, I'm not well. I wear a smile, but I'm tired, and I'm not sure I can carry on. Well, Mom, in a few moments, I want to show you how the Shunammite was able to feel all that you're feeling this morning, plus some, and yet still be able to respond. It is well. But there's another question that our text requires me to ask you. Is it well with your husband? Please, please now, Muffle your laughter. I know what you want to say. Are you kidding? Sure it's well with my husband. He lives with his head in the sand. Why wouldn't it be well with him? He doesn't know what I'm going through. The kids are lost. I'm dying inside and he's still at the office harvesting a paycheck. Is it well with my husband? Of course it's not. He needs to get his act together and care about more than just his job. There's another definition in the dictionary of motherhood for bottle feeding. It's an opportunity for daddy to also get up at 2 o'clock in the morning. Once a mother was walking with her 4-year-old daughter, the little girl had picked an object up off the ground and just stuck it in her mouth. Her mother said, don't do that. The little girl wondered why. Well, Mom replied, he says, it's been laying outside. It's dirty. It probably has germs. Her little girl was astonished. She says, wow, mom, how do you know about all this stuff? Well, the mother was good at thinking on her feet. She answered her little girl. She said, it's the mommy test. You have to know it or they don't let you be a mommy. Well, as they continued down the path, mom noticed her daughter had delved into some serious thought. After a few minutes, the little girl blurted out, I get it. Then if you flunk the mommy test, you have to be a daddy. Hey, my purpose is not to bash or trash the dads. I'm an advocate of two-parent families. A child needs both a mom and a dad. A father shouldn't just be a figurehead. A good dad is an active dad. All dads need to take leadership in the training and discipline of their kids. I love dads. Hey, I am a dad. I'm just pointing out that no matter how hard a dad tries, there are going to be times when his wife is still going to think, He's not doing enough. It's just the way we are. And mom, this is where you need to be careful. For men are like yarn. Push a string of yarn, and it goes nowhere. To move a piece of yarn, it has to be pulled. And to cultivate a good man, a wife has to learn to pull the right strings. Ladies, You will move your husband to be the man God wants and you need by pulling him along with your example and with your encouragement. Men respond to coaxing and pulling more than being pushed with harsh words and angry tones and constant badgering and feminine manipulations. Years ago, I had a friend of mine tell me, the best thing I could do for my kids is to love their mom. And that's true. But the reverse is just as valid. Mom, this might not really be observable from where you're sitting at the moment, but it's true nonetheless. One of the best things you can do for your kids is to love and honor and support their father. Realize you cannot put their dad down in front of your kids and then expect those same kids to respect their father. On rare occasions, Kathy and I will get into an argument, we'll disagree on a decision or argue over an action, and either she'll say to me or I'll say to her, wait a minute, we need to remember we're on the same team here. I think all of us need to remember that from time to time. Of course, you know the old line about teamwork. Teamwork is like a waterfall. It's a lot of drips working together. Every mom needs the cooperation of her child's dad. Ladies, that's why you need to encourage him, not cut him off at the knees and knock him down. I brought with me this morning a recipe for you married moms. It appeared first in the Good Housekeeping magazine. It's a surefire recipe for a tasty husband. Husbands can be spoiled by improper cooking. Some women keep their husband in hot water or let him freeze or keep him in a stew or pickle him. No husband will be tender and good when so managed. Add a little sugar, a few kisses, a little spice improves him. Do not try him with something sharp to see if he's becoming tender. Stir him gently. A husband is really delicious and digestible when prepared properly and will keep as long as you want to have him. Hey, every mom does herself and her family a favor by trying her best to build up her children's dad. And so, ladies, is it well with your husband? I can't say, but I know if your husband is anything like Kathy's husband, the answer is no. He's a pile of problems. Just like the Shunammite's husband, he gets too wrapped up in the harvest. There are times when his wife needs him to shoulder the burden and he's out in the field somewhere. At times, he's downright insensitive. And even if your husband is like Kathy's or like the Shunammites, I'll show you how you can say of him, it is well. There's a reason she answered as she did. But before I disclose it, there's one more question i got to ask you. Mom, is it well with the child? Well, sometimes you wonder, don't you, what's really going on in their heads? Reminds me of the old comic strip, for better or for worse, a series chronicled family life. And there was one strip where the first three frames showed a mom and dad lying in bed, worrying about their child. They asked questions like, are we too tough on Mike? Are not tough enough? Do we give in too often? Do we listen? Do we understand? Do we nag too much? Are we good parents? How do we know what to do? Final frame pictures 10-year-old Mike. He's lying in bed thinking trouble with parents is they think they know it all. So often we really don't, do we? At times kids are sweet and nice and respectful. At other times they act like they just climbed down out of a tree. If you're married and contemplating having kids, a ride on a wild roller coaster is good preparation for parenthood. Once a mother, she was hurried, she was hassled. She was preparing dinner for her husband's family. That night at dinner, she asked her little girl to say grace. Her daughter was reluctant. Mom, I don't know what to say. Well, mom should have left it alone, but she was so proud of her daughter's sweet prayers that she usually prayed. Finally, the mother suggested, she said, honey, sure you know what to say. Just say the last prayer you heard mommy pray. The little girl bowed her head and said, Oh, Lord, why did I invite all these people for dinner? <laughs> As a mom, you never know what to expect from your children. Here are a few more entries in the dictionary of motherhood. Defense. That's what you better have around the yard if you let the kids out. Look out. What it's too late for your kid to do by the time you scream it. Top bunk where you never put a child wearing Superman jammies. (laughs) Two-minute warning, when the baby's face turns red and he or she begins to make those familiar grunting noises. Nonverbal, the ability to whine without words. And then whoops, it's an exclamation that roughly translates, get a sponge. Hey, a mom knows if it's well with their child. She knows her child's ups and downs. A mom understands her child's moods and hormones. See, a mom can distinguish between a rite of passage and what's a departure from the right path. If anyone knows the heart of a child, it's his or her mom. God gives to a mom a sixth sense. A mom is to the soul of her child what a meteorologist is to the weather. She can read the signs. She knows their thoughts. When a mom slows down her busyness and spends time with her brood, when she really watches and listens, she'll answer this question. A mom always knows if it's well or if there's a problem with her child. But this Shunammite son was dead, for goodness sakes. You would expect her to answer, no, it's not well. And yet she does something about his deadness. And in a sense, she does what every mom can do. She boards a donkey, and she goes to the person with the power to help. This Shunammite mom journeys to the man of God, to Elijah. She's confident that God, through Elisha, can help her son. And now that she's done all that she can do, now that she has laid the outcome of her situation in the hands of God, she speaks in response to Gehazi's question, is it well? She says, it is well. This mom's answer was a statement of her faith. And I believe three truths motivated this mother's confidence and faith in God. In fact, if you're a mom, you need to write these three truths down and consult them often, for they apply to both you And your child as well. First, this child was promised. Second, God was powerful. And third, help was present. The child was promised. God was powerful. And His help was present. First, mom, your child is every bit the miracle as this mother's son. Every bit the miracle. Every child is a gift from God. The psalmist says we are all fearfully and wonderfully made by God. None of us is an accident. We're all a promise. God shaped each of us and fashioned us in our mother's womb. Mom, no matter how far they might have strayed, God still has a plan for your son or your daughter. You need to believe that. Second, God is the one with the power to restore a lost child. 2 Kings 4 goes on to describe exactly how Elisha returns with this woman, and he works a miracle. He enters the room where the boy's dead body lays. There he robs the grim reaper. Elijah restores to life the Shunammite son from the clutches of death. And mom, God can deal with the deadness in your child. If he can resurrect This child from the dead, God can deliver your child from a distraction or from a dependence or from a defiance or from a deception. God has the power to restore. You need to believe that, mom. And then there's a third truth. This woman believed that God's help was present. And that's why she saddled the donkey. And she ordered the driver to push the pedal to the metal. And she made a beeline straight for the man of God. And mom, I suggest you do the same today. Don't delay. This woman's servant was wrong. You don't have to wait for a new moon or a Sabbath or even a Sunday morning to pay God a visit. He's ready to help you at your point of need. God hears a mother's prayer. All moms, hear ye, hear ye. Because your child is promised. And your God is powerful. And His help is ever so present. I suggest you not give up. I exhort you to have faith today. Place your child and your situation in the hands of God. God can help you. Even you who carry a mother's load. The God who delivered this Shunammite's mom From her grief, can deliver you, mom, from your grind. If you're a mom in need of help, God can be your strength. And God can help your husband. (laughs) Yes, even your husband. Ladies, when you're done pushing him and picking at him and pecking at him and pestering him, why don't you try praying for the old boy? The God who raised a boy's corpse off Elisha's bed can raise your husband off his couch. God can do it. And God can help your child. Yes, even your child. Your child may be a wayward child, but he is still a promised child. Perhaps he or she is a miracle marred, but they are a miracle nonetheless. The Shunammite mother didn't hesitate. She immediately went to God for his help with her child. Mom, I encourage you to do the same. If you read the rest of this chapter, you'll learn how God used Elisha to raise this woman's son from the dead, but never forget this mother's amazing faith. This was a mom who believed all along, even at the height of her crisis, that God could help her family. That's why she answered, it is well. In her heart of hearts, her heart of faith, all was well. She knew that God would work. Even though her son sat lifeless in her lap, she knew that God had not abandoned her. Her son's illness was no surprise to God. It was a test of her faith. Would she trust God or would she succumb to her feelings of despair? See, even if God chose not to heal her son, that meant he had a good purpose. And she would put her trust in him. Ladies, I want to encourage you today. Hold on to God's promise. Rely on God's power. Rest in His ever-present help in time of need. In spite of how your situation appears, believe in God, His promises, His power, His presence. They're all real. They're all sure. Rise up in faith and utter with the Shunammite her bold declaration of faith. It is well with my child, it is well with my husband, it is well with this mom.